opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, good morning or good afternoon, wherever you may be. I'm Jeff Tom. I am the immediate past president of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss. And this is our first monthly community call. Um, in the future, beginning in September, these calls will be occurring on the fourth Monday of every month, but today is the fifth one. So we'll get started right away. Um, we have, I think, a very exciting and informative topic for today, um, one that has obviously a dark side to it, but one that I think we all need to know about, um, consumer fraud and other types of scams are prevalent. They, they occur every day in people's lives. And we all need to be extremely vigilant and know what to look for and know what our remedies are to handle these types of things. So with us today are two speakers, um, Dan Sipple, who was before his life that most of you know about as a Wisconsin Randolph Shepard vendor, was an investigator for the state of Wisconsin in consumer fraud. And Deborah E. Joyce, who now resides in Hawaii, and who was a victim of consumer fraud, identity theft, and has written of her experiences and is a strenuous advocate for um, for those who suffer consumer fraud. So welcome, Dan and Deb. Glad to have you. Good morning. Great. So I'm going to throw out the first question to both of you, and you can take it in either order you want. Um, And that question would be, why don't you tell our listening audience about some of the types of uh, consumer fraud, identity theft, and, and other scams that are um, commonly seen today? Um, I've been out of the business now 20, a little over 25 years, but um, the scams haven't changed. Con artists are con artists. They just, they've adapted to technology similar to the rest of us have adapt, adapted to technology. Um, there's you know, still uh, the two basic uh, rules that um, we always advise consumers to live by, and one is caveat emptor, which is a Latin term for buyer beware. And the other rule is, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Uh, and you know, so you need to uh, always be uh, self um, vigilant with yourself as to how you um, approach business transactions. Um, whether it be via telephone or in person or somebody knocks on your door. One thing that I've personally noticed over the years uh, with technology, advancement in technology is that um, a lot of con artists went door-to-door. And uh, now with technology, that has subsided substantially. And uh, uh, telemarketing um, and electronic marketing are the newest trends in uh, pre- precipitating uh, the same same old uh, scams uh, and schemes that they like to promote in uh, 
basically, um, you know, have a game of separation. They like to separate you from your money and have the money transferred to their hands. You know, whether it, uh, it be that they want to make some home improvements on your home or your driveway, your sidewalk or whatever, or if um, your grandson is suddenly arrested and in prison and he needs some, uh, you know, wire transfer. Now they don't transfer wire, uh, wire transfer money anymore. Now they'll ask you to buy gift cards from the, one of the local uh, retail merchants and send them so they can bail himself out of jail and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's it's there. Um, you know, we we don't have the typical door-to-door sales. Um, you know, the you know carpet cleaners and the uh, vacuum cleaner sales. Uh, now and now they rely on electronics and telemarketing, all like the like the rest of us. Well, I can tell you from personal experience that they are getting more insidious by the day. I'll give you a few highlights. Um, I'm totally blind, and I do regularly monitor my checking account, and I noticed that there were some checks that I couldn't understand what they were. So I went to the bank, and I asked the bank manager, which I had a, I have a good relationship with, and you should get uh, a good relationship with your branch manager. I said, what are these checks? And she looked, and she said, you know, I don't understand it. She goes, this check number, let's say two, was uh, withdrawn three times for the same amount and same check number. She's like, I don't understand. So she called the police, and the police came to the bank, and they were talking about what she had found out. And we traced it to the person who, at that time I had a house, uh, did my snow blowing. What he did was he took a copy of the check I had written out for snow plowing, and he actually deposited that copied check through his phone at the bank, and they cashed it. And if I hadn't been diligent, I would, would have been out a lot of money. Um, the other thing they do, too, is they put skimmers in the uh, machines at the supermarket when you swipe your card or at the gas station or an ATM machine, and then they collect your data from there that magnetic strip on the back of your credit card has all the information they need to steal from you. Um, also, the banks are not responsible. They claim to monitor your money. So if you don't look at your statements, uh, which is what happened to me, the thief withdrew all my money from my savings account, which I never touched. And I, w- I wasn't informed by the, by the bank, excuse me. And that's how he took my money. So there's quite a few different ways, and they're getting more brazen by the day. That's just a few things to watch out for. <laughs> but that's that's just touching it. Yeah, that's uh, you know that's like I said, Deb. That's just scratching the surface. You know the oh, Ponzi yeah. scheme. The Ponzi scheme uh, exists stronger than ever. Um, mm-hmm. One thing with technology is um, skimmers uh, yeah. on credit card readers are are becoming a thing of the past. Uh, but now with all the touchless um, payment systems and so on and so forth, and currency and coin are, are going away, but the currency is going to always be here. But uh, you, I think you've emphasized something quite well there, is that we need to monitor our, our checking accounts. Uh, mm-hmm. People uh, can access them so easy. And our credit rating service, look at just in the past year, 
our credit yeah. rating services, they, they've been scammed, uh, hacked into. So people are mm-hmm. hacking into a lot of different computer softwares around the world. A good friend of mine, his daughter, who happens to be um, uh, deaf and paraplegic, she's a professional computer hacker. And she'll Humbly. go to these various companies and she'll randomly pull her wheelchair up to a computer in the in the office complex and break into their system. Then she'll turn around and tell them how they can correct that and stop that. But that's temporary because scammers <clears throat> find new ways of breaking into things. You know, in the Ponzi scheme, you know that um, is perpetual. I mean, from the beginning of time, you know, and uh, that's still uh, very prevalent. Uh, so you have to be very careful when you come to investing your money and make sure that uh, you have all the appropriate paperwork and never, ever, ever give out any personal information to an unsolicited call. Only give out your personal information to a company or a person that you reach out to. Never, if someone reaches out to you, whether it be electronically, telephonically, or or even hard mail, never uh, give out um your social security number, your birth date, uh, your personal address, your phone number, anything, uh, unless you initiate the call. And never initiate a call to an unknown business unless you uh, research them on the website. And if someone pounds on your door and they says, well, I'll, or comes to your house, I'll, I'll, I'll remodel your kitchen for you. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we can do it for $10,000, but we need 20% down. Well, mm-hmm. make sure you get lien waivers when you do sign a home improvement contract. You know, there's, um, in, you know, I guess you know, there are many, many, you know, tens of thousands, tens of, tens of thousands of laws on the books, statewide, countywide, citywide, countywide, statewide, and nationally, protecting consumers from unscrupulous businesses. But uh, no one can protect uh, yourself like you can. And so always... Um, you know, be be aware. In uh, in most states, um, and in and not so much the federal uh, level, but most states have um, uh, private remedies. And um, so, one thing when you when you feel you are misled um, by a particular business or a con artist, make sure you reach out to the appropriate local, state, and federal agency. You can do it via phone. You can do it electronically. But more importantly, um, all these agencies do have websites now, and they have um, basically what's traditionally called a complaint form. Pull, draw that complaint form off the website, fill it out, and get it submitted so that you have a written comment. Don't just rely upon your um, uh, telephone message or voicemail or whatever. Get something in writing. A file will be created that the agency may or may not be able to immediately resolve your problem or get your money back, but uh, the private remedy in, in most states, um, in particular here in Wisconsin, we have if um, a business um, violates one of the um, consumer protection codes, we, previous, previous to when consumer protection became a sexy term during the um, Mid mid seventies and uh, early eighties, and uh, but pr- prior to that, it was called trade practices. So many of these laws are decades decades old, you know, for tra- trade practices. And um, the promulgators of these rules 
um, had the wisdom and the foresight to put in a private remedy of uh, you can sue in small claims court uh, for um, damages, cost, uh, or double damages, cost, and reasonable attorney fees. Now, pardon me, Jeff, but we always joked. First, you have to find a reasonable attorney. <laughs> but <laughs> be, that, be that as it is. But uh, so you, the private remedies are always there, and um, we all have always, and that's still that way, is encourage people to exercise a private remedy. But uh, but first, avoid the avoid the con artist by knowing what you're doing and be doing your homework. And then if you are enticed into one of these, then exhaust your private remedies, but all, but make sure you do report it to the, uh, your local agency, your state agency, and your federal agency, because all uh, work in the coordination with, uh, with each other on these particular, because it's so prevalent, whether it's a small independent business person or whether it's a, a multi-trillion dollar corporation, the, um, they all tend to uh, want to extend um, the definition of uh, misleading advertising or, uh, or self-promotion. So a couple things before we well, go back to remedies, and, and we will. Um, can one of you address, uh, you know, what folks should do and not do about all, with all the potential computer scams that we get every day, um, the, the best etiquette for avoiding them? Well, the first, it monitor your accounts. And I don't mean just sit there on your smartphone, tap, tap. I mean, actually, you know, look at the account. Look at. I still get a paper statement because I just don't trust the smartphone because the smartphone can be hacked. So I, and I always also check with my bank once a month and go over my statement. My credit card, the same thing. I've found some mistakes that they've corrected immediately because I brought it to their attention. I'm, I'm smarter now since I've been a victim. Um, the other thing, too, uh, get your annual creditreport.com. You can get a free credit report once a year, and that gives you your history. And they know more about you than you do. So they know your loans. They know your, your, your accounts. They know if you've had late payments. They know if an account's been opened. This gives you the ability to track because... They'll steal your identity and open an account in your name with your information, and you wouldn't know it because they're not going to tell you. Um, I actually had one woman tell me that uh, Wells Fargo called her, thanking her for the account that she opened. She said, I never opened up an account. And it turned out someone had stolen her information and opened up an account. And if Wells Fargo hadn't called her, she never would have known. Um, the other thing is, too, if someone calls you, and Dan can tell you this, don't, if they say, um, hi, is this Dan Sipple? Don't say yes. Say, who's this? Because when you say yes, they record you, Jeff, saying yes. And then they'll take that recording of you saying yes, and they'll put it on something, and they'll say, oh, look, see, Dan gave us permission. He said yes. So you have to be really, really diligent. Um <laughs> It's also important not to um, open up any of those links that you were sent for various reasons. If you don't right. recognize a computer link, hyperlink, don't open it. Because by doing that, you can let malware into your computer and they can get your personal information 
and it can result mm-hmm. in identity theft. There's always these. There's also the the you know the gift card ones that Dan referred to, and of course there's the ones that tell you that you ordered something, and you know that they don't necessarily expect you to pay for it, but if you you know return their emails or whatever, then they can uh, again they can potentially get into your system and get information from you. So you don't even want to, you know, and oftentimes, sometimes they use what look like very valid emails. Oftentimes you can even look at the email address and it's like a Gmail, you know, that's not going to be a business address. So it isn't even a very good, you know, consumer fraud scam in terms of it's not something that, that should even you know, give you pause. It should just, but, but look at, you know, if you want to look at the address, but, what can, I, but, but certainly I don't open that, anything. Do not no. open anything. Cause that, that's take that you email. Know. You copy it and paste it into your address bar, press enter and you see what comes up. So this way you can see if it's a legitimate email or not. That's one trick I learned. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, they, they, they are quite sophisticated. Uh, and yeah. uh, don't ever, ever underestimate a con artist. Uh, they, they spend their uh, waking hours, and, and as well, most of sleeping hours, f- trying to find ways, like, like Jeff said, always, if this is a Gmail, a business doesn't use Gmail. It's either a .com or a .org or something of that nature, or .net. If, they use, if you see a Gmail or one of those other, or uh, Yahoo, whatever, that's, uh, uh, and it may be, um, you know, you t- uh, ExxonMobil, dot uh, gmail but no you know that <laughs> exxon mobile is not going to use a gmail account uh they're in uh again uh change your passwords you know you're always advised to change your passwords. Yes. but change your passwords frequently on every account you have and um you know in in some it, one of the the tricks that come about in the last year or two is that they'll say here's an they'll give you what appears to be on the surface uh, a legitimate email account, and then this, here's your invoice for your recent purchase. And open mm-hmm. your invoice. Well, that opens your computer up to them. Right. So yep. You don't right. want to open any document or any attachment that they send unless you, again, I'm saying, unless you initiate the contact with that company. If someone randomly sends you something, just don't don't open it. You know, uh, any attachments and and like and and make sure you run your virus scan, people. Absolutely. They always ask you, is this is this Deb speaking? You know, like Deb said, never say yes. Say this is she, or you know, this Jeff speaking. Say this is he. You know, you don't whatever want to say yes, uh, right? Because they, they, with the, you know, you, when I was in the business, the fraud business, you know, we had sophisticated equipment. We, we could record telephone calls. The average citizen could not. Now anybody and everybody can record a telephone call, and they can edit it. Uh, so they can just isolate that word yes out of there with your voice. And uh, if it's a, a friend or family member, they'll recognize your voice saying yes, and uh, it leads to false oh. sense of security. Dan, you, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you if you could touch on something that we discussed the other day, enforcement of the law, because that's another oh, issue. You've got jurisdiction, we, we that, Andrea. But before we do yeah. that, what do the okay. two of you think about, and I definitely want to get there, uh, what do the two of you think about the private identity theft um, entities such as LifeLock and, and things like that? Is it no, worth no, that no, investment? no, no, 
problem with LifeLock. <laughs> I, I, I was the victim of identity theft, and then I called LifeLock, and I asked them if they could help me, and they said, sure, and then they turned around and said, oh, no, uh, we took your money, but we can't help you because you called us after the fact. I said, but it's ongoing. It's, this guy is still stealing, and they go, nope, the initial account, the initial occurrence happened after the fact. So they, they want your money up front before they do anything. So all these million-dollar claims don't believe it. Then you have to have proof. You, it, the onus is on you, Jeff. You have to provide the bank accounts. You have to provide the thief's information. They're not going to go looking as much as they say, so be very careful. Okay. Uh, that, that's, that is so true that... Um, the, um you know, nothing is sacred out there. Um, no. Uh, you know, I guess, you know, I don't want to pick on uh, elected officials, but Bob Humphrey's a uh, longstanding an attorney for us, uh, the Randolph Shepard program. He was a commissioner, and, and he worked for Senator Jennings Randolph. And he also said, nothing is, when, when Congress is in session, nothing is sacred, not even the pursuit of life, liberty, or happiness. Right. Uh, hmm. So, and that's basically with technology, nothing is sacred. It, um, it's kind of well. I'm going to give you another analogy. Um, you, you know, it, you don't hear about them nowadays. But uh, I'm, again, I'm dating myself. But uh, you know, years ago, when the squad cars on the highway would have radar guns and they detect your speed, well, then the same company that built the radar guns built radar detectors so that the consumer had a radar detector in their car. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and you know, so there's. What, whatever somebody comes up with, so a correction, you can be rest assured that uh, the con artist can find a way to break through that system. But, well, know, another so thing you too. Have to protect yourself. Yeah, RFID readers, radio frequency identification things. That's a little thing you put in your pocket, and they can scan the contents of your wallet standing right next to you in the elevator. Now, those little buggers are sold on eBay for about five dollars. And you will never know that you've been rooked. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's another that's a, other one they do. You know, that's um, you know we've had you know the mag stripe on our credit cards for so many years. Yeah. We've become accustomed to. In the skimmers, you know, put it into that. In the European countries, have had a computer chip. For, you know, 25 years ago. You know, uh-huh. they're usually ahead of us on technology. Well, now, you know, like like Deb just emphasized that. You know, the computer chip solved a lot of problems, got rid of the... No, they uh, can read the chips cameras. now. But and now they can, now that they developed those, uh, they can, you know, walk past you, and they, if you get your billful in your back, like uh, most of us men, who got it in our back pocket or even our front pocket, huh? and you get your credit card in there or a woman's purse, and they'll walk past, and they can pull up that um, radio frequency right. from, uh, on that computer chip. So, you, you know, just secure, secure, secure. You know, that's, well, when I was a child... I grew up in a rural mid uh, mid Wisconsin farm home farm, farm in uh, business, and we never locked the doors on our house nor my dad's business. Right. It just was no need for it. But uh, you know, time sh- sure proved us wrong that you, you don't leave without locking your doors in your house. Things have changed. Well, not only that, Dan, and I know that you can back me up on this. He said, she said, anybody that you allow in your home. It's really difficult to prove that you didn't give them that television that they walked out the door with because they say you gave it to them, especially for those of us that are disabled or blind. And, oh, well, she, she told me I could have it. And then 
you can't prove it. It's he said, she said in court. So let's so now, put everything good, away before anyone comes in your home. That, Jeff, that's a good lead into where you wanted to go a little earlier, Deb. Let's go now back to enforcement and and, and both of you talk about um, both the positives and the negatives in terms of what we can and cannot expect um, from the system in terms of enforcing remedies against those who commit scams against us? Well, the first thing is education. Educating not only the public, but educating law enforcement. The laws change so frequently and they have to keep up. So that's number one, right, Dan? Yeah, uh, you have to educate yourself and um, in, you know, even as an investigator, uh, our, our division, we spent a lot of uh, resources on educating the consumers because we, we knew we could not protect every individual on every individual case. So we knew we had to, part of our job was, so we had a special um, certain personnel designated to do nothing but educating. And we as investigators had to participate in some of those um, um, educational forums for consumers we would uh, speak to universities and schools and trade associations and just to educate people, just to basically to, you know, so that these con artists don't proliferate and it'd save us uh, time in the long run uh, trying to investigate one. So education begins at home and uh, in the agencies involved in trade practices will always uh, offer you any advice they can. Well, the big thing, too, is jurisdiction. And I know Dan had touched on this when I was speaking with him before. If you live in uh, one state and the thief is in another state, or you live in one county and the thief lives in another county, law enforcement doesn't cross lines. And so, uh, you know, you really are stuck because then they say, well, we can't do anything um, because it happened in another state. Or... Uh, in another uh, county. Um, so that's another big problem with jurisdiction. Now, federally, identity theft is a crime, but it's not a crime in every state. So, Dan, could you please extrapolate on that? Because I think people would find that interesting. I'd like them to hear it from you. Okay. Um, uh, you know, it cut me off, Jeff, if I get too in-depth here, but um, there's um, a, a federal law, and most states have adopted it, called RICO. R-I-C-C-O, Racketeering Influence Corrupt Crime Organization. And um, as uh, fraud investigator, we use that quite frequently. One thing, one, uh, a particular con artist would um, spread his, uh, his filth over several jurisdictions. And then so the RICO statute would allow us to con- uh, congregate them into one um, one charge in one particular jurisdiction because we could not, did not have the resources, even as a state agency, or in, we all worked in uh, collaboration with federal agencies and county agencies. You know, there was, wasn't enough resources uh, to cover, you know, three counties in six states, in each, three counties in each of six states. You know, so we, by, by exercising the RICO statute, we could um, take all six states and in, in three counties from each of those states and bring them into one county and charge them, or we could charge them in one state court, or we could work, we always work with the 
um, the, the FBI and um, the postal inspector and give us federal jurisdiction, we could take them to federal court. So it depends on, you know, if they're broad-based, you know, we had avenues, but that increases the cost of investigation, the cost of pursuing right. a trial. And so it becomes prohibitive in some uh, other than the real exorbitant and more, most egregious uh, situations where we'd use that because it was so costly to investigate, and we it usually took several attorneys from the attorney general, from whether it be the state or the uh, federal attorney general's office, to prosecute a case of that complex, and uh, so it just tied up a lot of resources. Deb, uh, I want to turn to you for a second. You were sort of the victim of more of a one-on-one. Um, uh, identity theft issue rather than yeah. a large group of individuals or, or someone yeah. who's doing it across state lines. So uh, address the concerns and some of what you went through, um, which really is vastly different than what Dan was just describing, I think. Well, first of all, I was losing my eyesight and I was depending on a friend of mine that I knew for 11 years. And I'm not going to get political, but he was gay, and I'm not, and so there was no relationship. The police indicated that there must be a relationship with him and that I was trying to scam uh, the state. Uh, he broke into my bank account. Um, he had taken pictures of my identification from my wallet, which I didn't know, and he was a friend. So I didn't watch him every second, and I didn't, you know, I had my purse in my uh, closet, but I didn't lock it up, so I never thought he would do that. And he went online, opened up the account, and then he turned around and he opened up a joint account with E-Trade, put my name primary on the account. And then he told police, look, she, her name's primary. She opened up the account. She knew about it. And so he told police I was mentally incapable of handling my money because I was losing my eyesight. And so I gave him permission to buy stock for me and to help me because I wanted to hide money from the state because I wanted more services. And that's in the incident report, by the way, that the police gave me a copy of. And, and, and I did almost the police respect you as an individual or did they basically take? They let him go. They let him go. They didn't ask him, are you a power of attorney? Are you a medical person? Was she deemed mentally incompetent? Nothing. So is, we as people, and I hate to say this, as disabled people, as blind people or whatever disability, seniors, oh, you're, you're adult, you don't know what you're doing, uh-uh. They, they get us, and, and they don't understand. Is it but your most view, of the identity is, is from friends and family. Is it your view that jurisdictions vary widely in terms of the degree to which they care about uh, and, and you know, try to enforce the statutes on consumer fraud? Well, as Dan pointed out, you know, money is tight and there's a lot of hours that have to go into an investigation. If you don't have a dedicated cybercrime unit that knows the ins and outs of what's going on and it changes daily, you get your average police officer and no offense to the police out there because they do a wonderful job, but they don't know the ins and outs of identity theft. They're not, that's not their area of expertise, you know, so no offense, but, you know, each area of the uh, police department has its own 
experts on the different crimes, you know. So if they don't know, they're just going to not understand and they're not going to be able to figure it out. I went through uh, even three lawyers. The third lawyer finally figured out what was going on. The first two lawyers didn't have a clue. They actually told me, take a settlement and run. I'm like, no. So, Travis, do we have any hands? Um, I want to open it up to questions. I I know people have their own um, concerns and uh, questions uh, that they probably want to ask. Do we have any hands? Yes, we do have Uh, a number of hands right now. Make one comment, Jeff, uh, uh, Hitchcock and Deb's comment, is that um, we we had similar problems as a state agency um, as Deb had with a local agency there, is that um, if we were develop, developing a criminal, we all did usually criminal prosecution, and we sometimes we settle out for civil litigation and a settlement, case settlement. But uh, if, if you're preparing and you're isolated uh, to an uh, incident happened in one county, usually you, you don't get to involved, but we, we had the authority we could do that, but we had a prosecute within that county, and if that county, uh, say they had one homicide per year, all of a sudden they had a string of three homicides, and our case became less and less valuable to them, uh, mm-hmm. less important, uh, because you know, what would you rather have them, you know, prosecute, sure. uh, investigate somebody that you know, somebody's identity or would you have want to catch three murderers yeah exactly that, that is a perpetual problem and that that problem mm-hmm. will never go away and probably it's it's more exacerbated now with all these uh, mass shootings and everything else going on so you know getting um fair trade practice laws enforced is probably going to be that much more difficult now yep. on a local level and, yeah that and and the punishment so. doesn't fit the crime either they get one year <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they steal your money they identity they get one year Okay, let's look at our first, have our first hand, Travis. All right, Anisio is our first hand. Anisio. Hi, Jeff, and hello, Deb and and Dan. Um, This going back a little bit of what you were talking before, not so much these individual um, cases, but, uh, you know, because technology is being used so much nowadays to scam people uh, with people calling from international call centers all over the world, etc. We can also use technology to safeguard ourselves and detect, at least detect early on when we've been scammed. So for example, all credit cards now enable you to, to, um, to have notifications taxed to you, for example. So every time your, your, your credit card is used, and hopefully when you use it, you get a notification. Uh, same way with your bank account. You know, every time there's a debit or a deposit, you get you get a notification. So I get all those. Uh, and obviously, all of them are made by me or my wife. Um, but it, it really is a way to at least be on top of it and be able to not wait until the end of the month to reconcile your, your statement, but to keep, in, keep, uh, keep track of it. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah, th- th- thank you, Anisio. That is a good point. Um, in fact... Um, my wife and I just, in fact, this morning we went through our credit cards and make sure uh, that we were getting because we you have to go through and sign up for the announcement. You can get 
Right. Uh, most credit card will give you a text or send you an email that whenever time your credit card is purchased. But you have to sign up for it. So we went through and made sure that we had all approved. And, 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 and they're becoming. The other thing you want to be careful of is uh, debit cards have become very popular. Oh, yeah. <laughs> direct withdrawal of your, you know, your checking account. Um, debit cards don't offer the same protection as credit cards. Credit cards, by federal and most state laws, give you time to relax uh, or think about your purchase. Debit cards are instantaneous, and it all depends on your bank, not whether or not they want to go after that particular business or individual that right. siphoned money out of your account. So um, use debit cards very cautiously with businesses that you are very familiar with. Right, and the credit cards too. I mean, I have a and eliminating right. that that kind of. You know, I I just came back from a trip to Canada, and I tell you every time I use my I, my credit card because I forgot to tell them that I was traveling, it was denied, or at least I got a, a text right away. Say, is this you? Are you allowing this this transaction? So they yeah. become a lot more aware of yep. this. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. You have for, all the proof boxes checked on you each each of your credit cards. Yeah. Okay, next hand. All right, we'll go ahead and take Anthony next. Hey, thank you. So, Deb, first off, I'm very sorry that what happened to you happened. I hope that um, you don't think that it was more likely to happen because your friend was, was gay. Um, but my question actually is there's a lot of scams coming through social media and I actually know somebody who went through and they were asked to purchase an Amazon card because they were being contacted by supposedly somebody from Microsoft. I know that that one is really popular right now, but there's also a lot of these um, accounts that are representing government employees who are listed to um, give you aid that was earmarked for you for from some of the packages from COVID. And a lot of people are falling for those scams too. Can you speak a little about those? Call them back. Yeah. Ask them for yeah. a telephone number and say, uh, thank you very much. I don't have time to talk with you. Can you give me a callback number? And then you call back. And even when you call back, make sure. Look up the number online. Make sure it's a legitimate number and they're not giving you a fake number in a boiler room so that when you call back, you're getting another person in the boiler room. Have um, you guys it, have you guys heard of any legitimate outreaches like that? Because as far as I'm concerned, like anything that comes to me that way, I know it's a scam. I don't even bother answering them. I just contact the agency, and I make sure that they're legit. And if I if they don't know about it, they're not legit. Uh, BBB, uh, Better Business Bureau, is another good resource. But you know, COVID, unfortunately, really uh, the people took advantage of everybody being online and being home as Dan can attest, I'm sure. And so there's a lot of scams like that now. So just please check everything. Don't take anything for granted. Yeah, if they, again, if, they, if somebody reaches out to you, you know, um, in offering you know, something that sounds good to be true, it probably is, you know, um, so don't give them any mm -hmm. information. And well, just, you know, they just passed the law um, but get um, relief for uh, college students, you know, last week. And already the con or the FTC just put out, I think uh, last night or yesterday afternoon, put out a, a news release warning people that the, scan, the con artists are already on the bandwagon calling people and texting people and emailing people that, hey, we can help you uh, get your college debt uh, released uh, and maximize it. No, 
Department, U.S. Department of Education has not even released the guidelines for it yet. So the con artists are head of head of the government agencies, and but but they'll want a fee, and they'll get your credit card number or whatever. So um, if somebody calls you, you know, it's unlikely that uh, it, it's in your best interest. You always definitely want to, um, you know, we as blind individuals in the world, we have to trust, learn to trust people, but we have to learn who to trust. Right. We cannot be trust uh, of all individuals, all businesses, because uh, there are people. Yeah, well, you know, um, in the Randolph Shepherd program, you know, b- before my time, when there were pretty much um, snack stands in the various uh, federal and state office buildings, there were uh, government employees that were taking advantage of the blind uh, entrepreneur that was preparing their sandwich for them by shortchanging them and saying, here's a, here's a $10 bill when it was a dollar bill or whatever else. So, so you know, no, no one's exempt from being defrauded. No one is exempt. That's just your fair game. If, if you're walking and breathing, you're fair game to a con artist. All right. Next hand. Next one is a phone number, 415-821, I believe that said. You may unmute. Hi there, it's Margie. And I have a couple, thank you. I have a couple of comments. Um, um, many years ago, I had a young lady as a reader and she wrote a check and thank God I have carbons and I keep count. And when I called the local police, the first thing they told me is do not accept restitution. So that's really important because if you accept restitution, you don't have a case. And right. if, if, a lot of times if there's a parent involved, they want to get their child off the hook and they're going to um, offer restitution. The other thing I want to say, going back to the um, contractors, I've had the pleasure of dealing with a lot of them. And in California, um, you know, one of the things that hooks people in with contractors, they go, well, if you sign today, we'll give you 10% off. Well, there's a couple of things people should know, and I'm guessing that this may be not um, restricted to California. Uh, there's a state contractor's license board where you should look up the name of contractors before you even invite them into your home, and you'll find out if there's been complaints, what type of complaints, etc. The other thing is, California, at least, and I don't know if this is true in other states, has um, very specific law about how much you put down. It's, and I don't remember the dollar amount. It's 10%, I think it is, or no higher than a specific dollar amount, whichever one is greater. So if you're working with contractors, familiarize yourself with state laws. Thank you. You're absolutely right. You, you really are. The other thing, too, I want to point out, and I'm glad you brought it up, you can't rely on Yelp because there's a lot of people that will put mm-hmm. fake reviews on Yelp. So be careful with that. I tend to go to government agencies such as betterbusinessbureau.org or the local consumer agency in my state. So that's just another tidbit. But thank you for uh, that. Just, just as a clarification, Deb, um, Chamber of Commerce and Better Business Bureaus yeah. are excellent resources. However, mm-hmm. they are not government agencies. They are oh, I'm sorry. Private, yeah, yeah, they are private. They are associations 
of business people, but they do a fantastic job uh, of trying to improve the professional image of that particular trade industry, in, in trade or industry. So, but uh, do not confuse them um, with uh, any law enforcement ability. They, the Better Business Bureau Chamber of Commerce is, you know, when I was uh, as an investigator, we could not, uh, we relied on them so much for in-depth information about a particular business or whatever. But uh, but they and they relied upon us when they when they felt there was uh, an actual criminal activity going on because they they are not a government agency and have no law enforcement authority. Remember well, another, too, another that resource. even if the even yeah. if the um, I, I, there's no money oh, hang on even if there's no money down on a contract and you're getting a legit totally legitimate loan to pay that contract, um, it could be that the contractor is going to get their money um, from the loan company, and so you could get ripped off anyway. So right, you right. have to make sure that the contractor you're dealing with is on the up and up, from the, even if you're not paying them directly. I have one more comment. I'm uh -huh. being at the gym. I just want to say this. When people go to gyms, and this is very prevalent for us blind people because we get there without a car generally that we can leave our stuff in, do not lock personal items up in a locker. They can, no. they, at my gym, my lock has been cut off several times. I keep mm -hmm. it my, I only carry one credit card. I keep it in my gym bag and I keep my gym bag with me at each piece of equipment. But that is a real prime place to have identity theft. Thank you. I'm going to mute now. Okay. Thank oh, you, no, Margie. Thank you. Next. Oh, well, sorry. Go ahead, Deb. I was just going to say they also break into your mailbox. Don't leave your mail in your mailbox. There was a case where somebody walked into a, a senior apartment and took all the senior uh, stimulus checks out of the bank of mailboxes in the building, and they never caught the person because he walked in with a hood and uh, head to toe, so they had a picture of him, but it didn't do any good. So watch your mail, too. <laughs> all yeah. right, next hand. Next is Renee. Renee. Hi, Renee. You may unmute. Okay, can you hear me now? We can. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, three comments. One, I, I my my mailbox is locked with a key, so uh, that's the first thing. Second, on uh, my credit cards, which my husband and I keep in our front pockets. Um, we have sleeves for each card. The sleeve has an RFID protector. It's like a, um, it's lined with a metal thing. You can get it in Walmart. You can yep. get several sizes. Yeah. So we keep each card in that sleeve. And the third thing with LifeLock, I love it because they tell me every single purchase that I make. When when I was defrauded by the unemployment um during this during the pandemic with three different states lifelock helped me with the better business bureau because um by I, I was reported that i opened up a business in two separate states so i did get help with lifelock and they also gave me very good advice about um um making a police report which i did and i gave them the police report number which they have filed and i still have a copy of it and they uh, also helped me file with the FCC. So I did get help with LifeLock, and my husband and I 
we, we like it um, because we get a notice of every single purchase that we make. And we get the same thing with the, with the, um, through the bank when we, and I use my credit card. I do have to check with one bank because one is a, it's a debit card, but you can use it as a credit card. So I'm trying to make, to see if, if there's a way with that one, if we can get notice of, cause I didn't see it on their website. So I will check with that. Okay. Thank you very much. Next. Hand. Well, if LifeLock is great, but you just have to have it before the crime. Yeah. Well, the crime was, no, this was after the crime. The crime was already done. I got a, what happened was I got a credit card from a, the bank that people normally use when they collect unemployment. And what happens is, is that LifeLock said, you know, what they're doing is when they get the card, they, they call the bank back and they say, you know, we just moved and we changed our address. And that's how they've been using the money. So they helped me with that card. So this is after the crime, after the thing. I don't know who you spoke Oh, you were with. lucky. I you were very, very lucky. Every single LifeLock person I spoke with and I documented everything and they helped me with, with that as well. Great. That is excellent that it happened that way for you. Okay. All right, next Larry, you're hand. next. Larry. Yeah, I had a, a little experience last week with the grandparent uh, scheme, and it had an interesting wrinkle. Uh, after I played mm -hmm. along with the guy for a while, and I said, okay, how can I help you? And he said, I, I need you to call this number and talk to the attorney uh, who will then uh, post my bond and get me out of jail. And so he actually gave me a phone number to call to uh, supposedly uh, a, a, a lawyer who was going to help him. So I took down the number and I said, thank you very much, et cetera. And I then called the FBI and they said, oh, we don't handle scam crimes. We only handle murders and, and, and drug crimes. So they gave me a number, which turned out to be uh, something called an elder scam center. And they are on, they're not a criminal agency. They're a separate independent agency. They do not investigate the crimes. They simply provide you with uh, resources and a referral. And so it wound up that they said, well, for all scam crimes, you need to talk to the FTC, as Renee said, the Federal Trade yeah. Commission. So that that was a, you know, took a while to learn that. So I did call and I was able to give them the full details. And they said that they would look into it, but they don't really investigate individual criminal cases. They look for patterns and they try to go after uh, criminal groups. So you really have to contact your local police but then if you think it's probably connected with a criminal syndicate, then you want to call the FTC. And their number, by the way, is 877-382-4357. Okay. Thank you Thank for you, that. Larry. You want to repeat that number? Sure. 877-382-4357. Okay. Do we have any more hands? Yes, we have a bunch of them. We have about five, seven minutes left, so I want to get as many as I can. All right, Christine, you are next. Hi, 
Okay, um, it's Chris Hunsinger, and I just wanted to say when you were talking, um, Deb, about the the person who defrauded you, saying that you were incapable. You know that whole thing of uh, guardianship rules is such a weird. It's just a comment. It's such a weird thing. You know, you think that no one would ever become someone's guardian without um, a lot of information and 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 proof. But um, I venture to say there's more of that kind of skullduggery going on in this country um, about about people who have some disability of some sort than we will ever imagine. Um, I know there's a federal law floating around and Pennsylvania is trying to tighten up their laws. And I thought Pennsylvania had a good set of protections for uh, guardianship issues. But apparently there are plenty of people who are willing to go before judges and and give enough information that the judge might be swayed. And in light and of Britney Spears, you. California mm, is definitely trying to tighten up. You would think California would be one of those states which would really be tough on that, and it is not. So, you know, you have to look at your own state laws to understand mm -hmm. it. Next hand. Next, we have Sharon. Hi, everyone. This is Sharon. And I'll, I'll, I'll stick with one question. And that would be, um, I have been charged falsely on a, one credit card one time, but it was quite a long time ago. And I'm wondering now how to know if I get a call regarding a credit card charge that it's legitimate. Um, I'm grateful to hear from Anisio for one thing that you can get a text every time there's a transaction and I'll look into that. But I also wonder if there's a way to know that this is really a legitimate call that you're getting. Is that how companies deal with it? Your credit card company? Yes, I can say that they okay. um, oftentimes the you will get a call from the credit card company if you have that uh, particular um, method linked to your card, and they will tell you this is a fraud alert, and you know, did you make X purchase? All right, so they. You, you get a specific, and then yes. they, they, okay, very good. So you can tell that, that it's legitimate. Yes, in, and it will often way. happen okay. like immediately after the purchase is made. Wow, okay. And is that done primarily because they see your patterns of, of purchasing? No, it's it's often done because you have that link to your card and you want, you, you have stated somewhere, you've signed something yeah. that says you want these potential fraud alerts. Right. But I mean, do they, does an alert happen because they see something that may be out of state from you? Or no, it may, what, it may what? just happen because it's automatic the, the, to your car that you've, that you've asked for that. Yeah. Right. You, add, okay. you, have, you, you, you sign up for that. You check the box when you sign up for your credit card, go onto right. your credit card website, onto your link, mm -hmm. and, and uh, you get, check that box that you want these alerts, whether you want email okay. or text. It saved and, us um, a few times when our cards have been okay. Oh, yes. All right. Thank you. And May I bring when, when up? you're traveling, you, um, your credit card company itself, if you've got a, um, a reliable uh, credit card, they, um, you know, like there's times when I travel by myself and I make uh, a large purchase on the road and my wife or daughters were home and they'd make a large purchase. And they say, how can you be in two places at once? And uh, so they, they would stop the credit transaction immediately. And the, I, then they would call and I'd have to respond and say, I am here. You know, this is he and this, I am here. <laughs> so 
that. I, I was going to say that. Yeah. But you have to enable that. You have to enable that on your on your account. You gotta, yeah, you Deb, go ahead. That. Well, two things, and you're right, Dan. When I travel, I call the credit card company and I let them know before I go that I'm going to be going to XYZ, and yep. then they, they know that they put that on the account. And also another scam I wanted to mention really quickly when you're in any store, look at your receipt before you leave the store because now the new thing is the cashiers are adding $20 to the bill. You know, when you, when you uh, put in your card, it said, would you like $20 or $30 added to your bill? Of course, you don't know that. They, they do it surreptitiously, and this way you're stuck. And if you walk out the door and you didn't look at your receipt, they say, oh, you asked for that, and they pocket the money. And and this was another new scam that they're doing now. So please watch your receipts. Thank you. Okay. I think we have time for one more hand. That's going to have to be it. All right, Connie. Connie, you're up. Connie. Hello. Can Hi, you Connie. Hi. Got to yeah. be quick. Okay. My credit card was compromised at the beginning of the year, and I think we're especially vulnerable because we can't tell if someone's watching us. So what can we do to protect ourselves and to prevent this from happening well the best way is to check on every you know check your credit card you know call your bank or whatever and, and find out every purchase that's made after a couple of days and you'll spot you know if you keep on it you'll spot one that you didn't do and then you call your credit card company okay thank you what i do is i call my credit card every time i get a statement they go over it with me on the phone because you only have 30 to 60 days to let them know of a discrepancy. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Well, I want to thank my two panelists, uh, Dan Sipple and Deborah Joyce. And I want to thank all of you for today's call and being here. And I'm hoping that uh, the rest of our calls will be as informative as this one has been. So, Again, thank you very much on behalf of the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss.